Welcome to Running Deep, a podcast that exists to encourage women to be deeply rooted in the Word of God through every season of life. Well, welcome back, ladies. We are starting our podcast for the month of December, and we're using the season to talk more specifically about the season of Advent. So we thought it'd be fun to anticipate Christmas together, talk about what that has looked like in our lives, Um, and we are really eager for the guest we have on today to talk about that with us. Yeah, we have a special guest today who is joining us by phone call from North Carolina. We have Amy Gannett here, and I'm going to let her kind of share um, a little bit about herself and introduce herself, but we're so excited to have her joining us. So Amy, do you want to share a little bit about who you are? Yeah, and thanks so much for having me. This is really fun for me. Um, As a church planter myself, it's always fun to be a part of what God's doing through church plants um, all around the country and even all around the world. So Um, My name's Amy, and I am a Bible teacher and a writer and a church planter. Um, I wear a lot of different hats, but my day-to-day life, um, I find myself as a church planter with my husband in eastern North Carolina. We're planting Trinity Church Greenville in Greenville, North Carolina, and I'm also a Bible teacher and a writer, and so I travel and do women's conferences and Um, do biblical literacy workshops where I teach how to study and teach the Bible. Those seminars are called Take Root Seminars. Um, I write Bible studies. Um, I've written one specifically for Advent, so it's fun to talk on this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, I also started a small company called Tiny Theologians that um, is my outlet for making discipleship tools for the youngest members of God's household. So I wear a lot of different hats, but um, it's a really fun journey when you get to do a lot of things like church planting and kids ministry and Bible teaching. So we just kind of, you know, sum it up to God calling us to lots of different things at the same time, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. So how long have you been in North Carolina? So I've been in North Carolina for the last two and a half years. My husband grew up in a small town here called Kinston, North Carolina. And we, Austin and I, met in seminary. We met at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in the Boston area, and we had moved to Colorado, and he had really gotten um, a passion from the Lord and a calling from the Lord to be a part of church planting, and um, mentioned it to me, and I said, I don't think God's calling us. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem like the things that... Um, I have always envisioned ministry looking like in my life, but um, he asked me to pray about it. And um, I did in the Lord. It's cool to read my journals, you know, over three months, the Lord really compelled me to the work of um, church planting ministry. And he got a call from his home church in Kinston, North Carolina saying, Hey, we are starting to feel the burden for planting churches in Eastern North Carolina would you, Austin, come be a part of developing a residency program to train church planters and send them out Mm -hmm. and then also be one of the first couple sent out to plant? So we moved here for him to develop that residency program just about two and a half years ago. And then about six months ago, we dove ourselves into church planting here in Greenville. Okay. Wow. That's awesome to hear. And just exciting to hear about what God's doing just even in a different state. And obviously we, as the Salt Network, have a heart for church planting and um, yeah. are just excited about just how God's working and moving throughout the country and um, throughout the world. But um, you mentioned that you wrote an Advent study mm-hmm. and um, 
I'll kind of give a little background of why I wanted to talk to Amy, uh, which is kind of a fun little backstory, but um, my family has benefited from the uh, tiny theologians specifically. Um, last year, I was looking for an Advent thing to do with my kids. Every year we do something a little bit different. And uh, last year, a friend had recommended uh, this company called Tiny Theologians. I'm like, oh, I had never heard of it and looked it up and ordered the Advent cards and did that. And then we also ordered, um, she has a set of um, alphabet letters that are like the characteristics of God. So I ordered both those um, and we started the Advent set last year and we loved it. The kids loved it. We learned so much and it was just um, a really great way to clearly communicate the story of God and how um, just the, the life uh, genealogy to Jesus and um, just the history leading up to it. Um, and then uh, we gave my three-year-old the alphabet cards for Christmas. So we've been working through that this year and it's so fun every day at lunch. We'll kind of go through, we do one letter a week. Um, I love that. And it's just so cute to see him uh, just, we'll talk about the letter and then we'll talk about the verse and what it means and um, his favorite one is E um, for everlasting or eternal. And mm-hmm. he, I love when he says the verse, he's like, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That and is so sweet. <laughs> just how nothing cuter than a baby reciting scripture. Let's be honest. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, I just so appreciated uh, the ministry to um teaching children God's word and teaching children about God. Um, So I was so excited about this company. I started talking to some friends and happened to talk to a gal named Emma about it and just talking to her. She's living with us currently. She's a SALT student and um, she just had this funny smile on her face and she goes, that's my sister. Uh, so <laughs> I was going to say, don't of... trust her. She's an affiliate. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just a small world, but we're just she, so thankful to um, have that connection and be able to talk to you today. But specifically, when we wanted to talk to you about Advent and um, yeah. I'd love to pick your brain on all the other things that you're involved in someday um, also. But what what really drew you to um, writing an Advent study and even doing uh, the Advent cards? What, what kind of drew you to that um, study? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I am in a tradition that I imagine is similar to your own. Um, we're in sort of your friendly neighborhood, non-denominational church plant. And so we, I have run in non-denominational circles for some time and love so many things about our tradition. Um, even though I know not every non-denominational church is the same, they seem to have a lot of overlap, I would say. Um, and one of the things that I gained in seminary that I felt an absence of in my tradition was that rootedness that comes from observing things that denominational churches have the privilege of observing with the global church. So the church calendar is one of the things that has guided the church throughout church history. 
um, we can trace parts of the church calendar back far before the Reformation, which is really mm. interesting. Yeah. And really sweet to think about these seasons that are set aside for the entire global church to consider and reflect on similar things together. Um, I don't know about you, but I have been a part of church traditions in the past that have recited the Apostles' Creed. And there have been times that I've been reciting the Creed with my local expression of faith. And my highs just well up because I think about all the people that are reciting mm-hmm. this creed in yeah. around the world throughout so many different traditions. There are enough things that can divide us. We can have enough theological debates on tons of topics, but here is a statement of faith that we all get behind and we recite on Sunday mornings in so many traditions. And so I love the idea of binding together in so many of these um, really meaningful ways. So to have things in common with the global church, to have observed seasons together with the global church and two of those seasons that are most translatable to the non-denominational tradition is Advent and Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we may not observe Epiphany. We may not observe um, the different feasts throughout the year. And that, that's fine. I think different traditions reach different people. I think that there's a real need for different expressions of faith. But Advent and Lent were seasons I really wanted to consider. Um, Particularly, I think there's something really valuable um, in, I think there's something really valuable in observing Advent because Advent is a season that just means anticipation. It's awaiting the arrival. But Advent just means the coming or the arrival. And we as Christians have always been in Advent. We have Mm -hmm. always been awaiting the arrival. People who follow God have always been awaiting the arrival of our King, the arrival of our Savior, whether it's Old Testament believers who anticipated him coming. They were in the first Advent. So when Christ came in Luke 2, that story that we celebrate every Christmas, that was the first Advent. That was the first coming. And now, ever since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, ever since he ascended into heaven, we await his second Advent. So Karl Barth, who is a famous theologian um, in the modern era, he um, said, you know, there is nothing else for Christians to be than Advent people because we've Mm -hmm. always been in Advent. And so there's nothing better than celebrating the arrival or anticipating the arrival of our King with the global church. So that really drew me to the season out of a tradition that didn't really practice it because I saw the value throughout seminary, the value of church history and the value of the Christian calendar for partnering with the global church in this way. So Advent just really was something I was drawn to in that way, not only just for what it means for us as believers, as we anticipate the coming of Christ, which is a momentous thing for our mm. personal faith and our corporate faith, but also how it tied me to the local church. That's yeah. great. We were hoping that we'd be able to link the um, study so that the women here at Candeo could do it with us. Uh, she's actually sold out. We're so terrible. <laughs> I sold out before I even hit November. Oh man, what a great problem. I mean, it's a great problem, but it really does mean I did not do a good job ordering. (laughs) That's really what this this boils down to. So um, we'll be back next year. And I do have it available digitally, so I can send y'all that link. There is a downloadable PDF that I've made available because I felt just so guilty. (laughs) That's awesome. That would be great. Yeah. (laughs) So what, um, talk a little bit about your Advent cards. Like, I love how you shared the history of Advent. That was actually something that 
I didn't know much about growing up in um, more of a, I'd say, more of a traditional Baptist mm -hmm. church. Uh, we didn't do a whole lot of liturgy or Advent or Lent or any of that. And so um, as I grew in my faith and um, began to learn more, I, my mind and like my world was just open to, wow, like you're saying the global church, uh, where did Advent come from? How did it begin? Um, but why specifically did you kind of take that study or take what you learned and why did you want to make something for children specifically? Hmm. I love this question because it kind of gets at the heart behind the two things that I do. So I write Bible studies predominantly for women, um, though they're used and read by both genders, but predominantly I reach women with my studies. Um, but I did have a lot of young moms tell me, like, I have no time to mm -hmm. study, do a study on a daily basis. Even though I want to challenge that disposition and say, like we all have some time, we all have 10 mm. minutes, we all have five minutes, you know, we do want to be people who are in the word, but, um, actually starting tiny theologians was sort of my subversive way to reach moms because I realized that so many will do for their kids, what they won't do for themselves. And so I actually started tiny theologians with the ABCs of theology because I had so many women tell me I can't study theology. Um, I don't have time for it, but more than that, I'm just not bright enough for it. But then I say, well, if, do you think it's important to teach your kids theology? And they say, absolutely. So then I say, I said, I'm going to make something for kids because really that's a way to reach parents as well. So it was sort of this way of catching this audience, um, that I really have a burden for. I really have a burden for young moms who don't have a ton of time, um, who have limited resources of energy and um, even just mental space and stuff. But if they're going to do a morning basket with their kids or a bedtime routine with their kids, I know that they're catching some solid scripture embedded within. And when I came out of seminary, I start, I did some work in kids ministry for a while and just realized that the resources that we put out for kids are just often subpar. They're just yeah. not um, as theologically robust as they could be. And so I really wanted to make something for kids to observe Advent alongside their parents. So um, my Advent study for adults is called Grafted In. It's a study of the family tree of Christ. And that language comes from um, in the book of Romans where Paul says that we as Gentiles have been grafted in. So the entire study follows the family tree of Christ and particularly gives focus to those who are brought into the family of faith from outside mm -hmm. of family, sort of the unlikely and unexpected characters that God chose to be a part of his family that brings about the savior. And then I created the family tree of Christ cards for the tiny theologians um, company to go alongside that. So they don't match day for day necessarily, but what they do is they follow the family tree of Christ in Matthew's genealogy in which he lists all of these unexpected characters um, starting with Abraham and Sarai, who are a barren couple who said, we can't have kids. In fact, they even tried to have their maid, their mm. hand servant, um, get pregnant. And Abraham even said, you know, couldn't you bless this child instead? But God said, no, I actually, I chose you to start a family. I chose this family to be the forerunners, um, of the family of faith to bring about the Messiah. And so it starts with Abraham. It goes to David, who is faithful and fitful in faith and, um, it goes to women like um, 
Rahab and Tamar, women that were included in Matthew's genealogy, which women never would have been mentioned in a historic Old Testament genealogy mm-hmm. in the ancient Near East. It never would have happened. But here we have Matthew including it because he says it's so important that we know that Ruth brought about <laughs> the Savior, that God mm-hmm. used an outsider to the faith to bring about um, the Messiah. So it focuses on all these different characters throughout the story um, of God building his own family. And so um, I created those cards because I wanted kids to have something to do during Advent, but I also really love the idea of parents learning alongside their kids. So as parents do the grafted in study, um, they feel equipped and prepared to then lead their kids through the cards, um, to answer questions like, well, you know, who was Jesse? And, you know, Jesse was David's dad. And so, um, why did God choose Jesse to why did God choose David? David wasn't the oldest of Jesse's sons. He wasn't the most impressive. So why did he do that mom? And I want parents to feel confident that Mm -hmm. they can have those answers. So, um, I kind of, it kind of brings together not only my love for the Advent season, my love for how God has grafted, um, the unexpected into his family, but also I just love the idea of people observing, um, the season as families together. Yeah. I, I so love that and appreciate your heart behind that. And it is so true as personally, I can speak as a mom, I've learned so much in just doing, um, both of the, the card sets and, um, I can go through the alphabet now. And I mean, hopefully Lord willing at the end of it, have 26 verse, verses memorized along I love with that. my kids. And, um, so yeah, it is so important to teach our children, um, true, rich theology, because Mm -hmm. it is a good foundation to build upon. Um, And in this Advent season to look back and see the hand of God. And I love how you mentioned Ruth. We just finished Ruth yesterday um, at Candeo. And uh, it, it really was delightful to hear um, how Ruth, what she's a Moabite. Mm -hmm. She, she's not even, the Israelite descent and yet God chose her and God used her mm-hmm. in the line of Christ and what a beautiful picture that is and how we can teach our children that too. Um, so yeah, as we enter Advent season though, this season can be pretty chaotic and crazy and um, difficult to focus on Christ in this time. Um, other than studies or um, things that, you know, maybe one, a study like yours or a different book, how are you personally focusing on Christ in this Advent season? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I think that there are so many great tools out there to help us um, remember that this season is a season in which we're awaiting the arrival of Christ. Um, one of the things that my husband and I have done, and this is a little unorthodox, so I'm going to say, I don't give this as like a blanket recommendation to everybody. <laughs> um, we met in seminary, so we are seminary nerds. Like we <laughs> like doing nerdy things together. So, um, we were actually talking about what to study next in our quiet time. And, um, we're both in the book of revelation right now. Um, which has been fun to study together because it reminds us that um, the book of Revelation can seem really scary. Like it can seem like just all doom and gloom, especially because um, I don't know about you, but I grew up in sort of that non-denominational Baptist world. Um, it was really sort of like, it felt like a threat, like mm-hmm. reading Revelation felt like a threat, but really it means the unveiling. 
And that is the second advent. Revelation really details for us when Christ comes again. And so we chose in our personal quiet times to read through Revelation for the month of December because it's a way that we can observe um, and remind ourselves that we're waiting for a second coming of Christ. So mm -hmm. I think even orienting your personal quiet time, whether it's with a study or not, um, maybe read in Isaiah because Isaiah is chock full of prophecies that point to his first coming. It reminds us that he really was the savior who was anticipated and who was promised or read through Genesis and look at how God's building his family from the beginning. I think we can orient our quiet times towards that in a way that really keeps Christ in front of us on a daily basis. But I also think it's really fun and really practical to structure our Christmas season in such a way um, that we are choosing what we're doing in the season intentionally. So sometimes that feels overwhelming because we just have to get Christmas presents. We just have to get them wrapped. We just like want to get the tree up. So we just like schlep a tree into our house and like throw the decorations on it. We're like, check that off my list, you know. Um, but I do think it can be a fun thing to do as a family um, or as a house with roommates or however your life is structured to create a calendar for December and say, we're going to do one festive thing every day. So whether it's like, like Austin and I create a calendar for December and like one day it'll be bake Christmas cookies. And then another day it's decorate Christmas cookies because we know we just can't do it all in one day. <laughs> but then throughout the calendar, we put intentional spiritual markers in each week. So about every three days, um, we put something, whether it's a scripture reading or using um, a book of prayer, like um, the Valley of Vision or something yeah. like that to shape our prayer time together. Um, we like to light the Advent wreath in our home. Um, so we'll light the candles of peace and love and hope and the Christ candle come Christmas Eve. We love doing some of those things and they feel sometimes to our or at least to me, to my non-denominational ear, sometimes those feel, things can feel like just tradition. Sometimes they can feel rote, but I think sometimes it's choosing these traditions that have been a mainstay of the Christian church throughout church history, like lighting the Advent wreath and that sort of thing, um, that then really remind us that we're in a holy season, that we're doing something different. It feels really set apart. Um, we eat different foods during the mm -hmm. month of December, and that's a good thing. We should remember that this is a special time. And whenever we have that holy sense of wonder, whenever we have that sense of this is a sacred season, we can be reminded that it's sacred, not because, I mean, there's nothing sacred necessarily about, um, you know, singing um, jingle bells or unwrapping gifts. There's nothing really sacred or holy in those things, except that we do them all to celebrate the coming of Christ. So I think as we embed all of these annual traditions with reminders of why we're celebrating, why is it holy? Um, I think we're going to see ourselves pivot more and more towards Christ mm -hmm. and see him in our daily lives. Um, I even have sensed Austin and I put up our tree already at no time Thanksgiving, but the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas was too short. So yes. um, I like in protest this year, put it up early. I'm usually a day <laughs> after Thanksgiving kind of gal, um, but we put it up and the next morning Austin had gotten up and made coffee and he had turned on the tree and I came out and it was like, I was a kid again. It was just this, I had this sense of like wonder and excitement about it. And it just felt like the nearness of Christ. Yeah. Because there's just this sense of, um, oh, I'm not going to remember who said it. There is a theologian. Um, I'm not going to remember who said it. But there's a theologian that said there is no better time to be 
um, a child than at Christmas when our ruler himself was a child. Mm. And I think when we have that sense of wonder, we remember that God, God delights in us delighting in a season that celebrates his coming. So I think we can embed these annual traditions. I don't think it means we add a whole bunch. I think it means we choose some things strategically, but I also think that it means that we embed some of the things that we already do and remind ourselves that the reason we do them is because we're anticipating Christ's second coming and we're celebrating his first advent. I love that view of advent. I think sometimes it's easy for us as Christians to want to run from what we view as the commercialism of Christmas. So thinking mm-hmm. we don't, I don't want to get caught up in all the lights and right. gifts and decorations and stuff because it's getting besides the point of Christ. Um, but what you're talking about, the ways that you're enjoying it and the ways that you're letting that draw you to Christ is redeeming this holiday that is supposed to be about Christ. Um, yeah, we can get distracted. We can do things for wrong reasons. There are definitely ways to get way too caught up in the tradition of it and Mm -hmm. those can turn empty. Um, But there are very, very healthy ways to have good traditions that do point you to Jesus, that are backed by scripture, that um, are sweet times with family, that, yeah, I think it's a um, healthy way to embrace seasons like that and not run from how the world has maybe twisted them. Yeah. And I think tradition sometimes gets a bad rap. Sometimes we think that it means, you know, dead tradition or empty tradition. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, the church has used the word liturgy to describe the the daily and weekly and annual habits that we have as Christians. Mm -hmm. And it really, it's one of those words, it's sort of like theology where um, we use it as a descriptor of what is, not necessarily of what will be. So, and by that, I mean, everybody has a liturgy. You already have a routine. You already have um, habits formed. Mm -hmm. And so why, instead of saying, I don't want to have a liturgy, we have to acknowledge, okay, I have one, but maybe I'm not aware of what my Christmas habits are. And instead of letting them be the default settings that I'm unaware of, why don't I intentionally choose them and format them in such a way that points me towards Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like, I, I, I say it's sort of like the word theology because a lot of people are like, well, I'm not a theology person, which means you have a theology. You probably just don't know what it is. Yeah. And liturgy can be that way. James K.A. Smith, who's one of my favorite writers, he wrote a little book called You Are What You Love. And it's a distillation of a um, bigger project that he was working on. But I love it because one of the things he talks about in this book is that it's not so much our choices and um, our, we're not as objective about our lives as we sometimes think we are. Mm -hmm. We want to think that we're objective and just making life choices um, as we go through life according to our theological dispositions or our philosophical view on the world. But he says we're actually much more driven by our loves and what forms our loves is our liturgies and what our habits are. And so we have the chance at Christmas during the Advent season to cultivate our affections for Christ. Mm-hmm. So we live into and follow our affections for Christ. And I think that's where liturgy, um, where it's had a bad rap in the past, has a really, we have a really great opportunity to embrace liturgy by choosing it intentionally and letting it foster the things that we love um, and letting it foster a deeper affection for Christ. Yeah, totally. Jake likes to um, point to different things that can, in culture, that can be redeemed. Um, and one of the things that we started last year was uh, with our seven-year-old and three-year-old, we 
go, uh, I don't know how many times in the Christmas season, but we'll go out and look at Christmas lights, which is so fun. And it doesn't seem like it can, there's what is going to come from it. But I love how most of the time throughout at some point while we're driving around looking at Christmas lights, drinking hot cocoa, um, Judah doesn't like hot cocoa. He just pretends to drink it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, he likes uh, chocolate milk, basically. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, Jake will point out um, that we are celebrating the coming of the light of the world mm-hmm. and how we can be in awe of all these beautiful lights. But what about the true light? And just drawing that back and pointing back to to the real reason for Christmas. And like you said, still being able to be in awe of these mm-hmm. beautiful twinkling lights, but also remembering that uh, Jesus is the light of the world, the savior of the world, and just finding different ways like that to celebrate and to remember, to stop and remember uh, the true meaning of Christmas is just so important and delightful. And I never thought about, um, probably up until a couple of years ago, how we serve a God who really does love celebration yeah. and he called his people to festivals mm-hmm. and many of those festivals were feasts and mm-hmm. joining together. And most of them weren't somber events. These yeah, were, they were singing and food yes. and yeah. yeah. So he is a God who, who truly delights in celebration. And so we can celebrate in this season and, wait with eager anticipation the second coming of Christ and celebrate mm-hmm. his first coming. Um, Laura, what are you doing this season of Advent that's just kind of like drawing your attention to Christ? Yeah, I love um, picking out a different book or study to be walking through. So last year I read through Sinclair Ferguson's Love Came Down. So that was kind of suggested at Candeo to mm-hmm. read through. Right. In that one, he's walking through 1 Corinthians 13. So love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, proud, rude, doesn't self-seeking, all those um, definitions of love and walks through each one day by day how Jesus is the culmination of the, is the definition of those things um, and how he's been an example for us in that. So just a beautiful way to anticipate Christ as um, being what we are instructed to do as far as love is concerned. This year I bought um, the book Hidden Christmas by Tim mm-hmm. Keller. Haven't read that one, but I love so everything good. I ever read by Tim Keller. So I'm eager to do that. Um, but I also, I have some traditions from when I was a kid that were actually really rich and delightful to me as a child that did make me worship in those moments mm. that I still sometimes go back to now as an adult. So I wouldn't be surprised, even with your kids, are the things you do now as their children, they'll remember and will have greater um, appreciation for those things as adults. So for me, I listened to a tape when I was a kid of, um, I don't know, it was just kind of a, the Christmas story that was um, filled with um, songs that were just scripture to music. So like full verses that I know and can walk through the story, like I could walk through from memory most of the pieces of the Christmas story that I 
like this is maybe embarrassing to admit at the age of 31, but I probably listen to that every year still I love um, it. because it's just a good reminder to hear those songs again. I'm running through the verses again and I worship every time I listen to I it. Love I love that. it so much. So the things that you're doing with your kids now will potentially have a lifelong impact for them. I love that. Speaking from experience. As long as you can find a place to play a cassette. You know, yes. like, you still play <laughs> right. your cassette tape, girl. You're really rocking it. That's impressive. <laughs> that is the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you listen to it on a tape? No, okay. I have it. I have it on my computer now. Good. So. <laughs> We've transferred it over. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really sweet, uh-huh. though. I love hearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How about you, Sarah? Oh uh, yeah. Last year, I read the Ferguson book, and um, in the years past, a couple other resources. Um, Ann Voskamp's Greatest Gift. Um, obviously the tiny theologian cards. Um, this year I'm reading, um, Dawn of Indestructible Joy Mm -hmm. by John Piper. Um, I'm excited to start that. Um, I think he also has a free download of that. Yes. You can get it for free. Most of his books are free on Mm -hmm. Desiring God, which I love. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to start that and just, um, Advent is a great time to just slow down and focus your mind and heart on the things of the Lord. So um, before we wrap it up, Amy, is there any other resources or suggestions you would give to our women here at Candeo for the season of Advent? Um, Well, there are so many good ones out there. So that's kind of, it's kind of hard to do. (laughs) Um, But I would say there are some really sweet, um, Tim Keller has a new Advent study um, I forget what it's called, something Christmas, Simple Christmas. Um, I'm going to look it up really quick. Um, but there are some really great studies. It's called Hidden Christmas. That's what it yes. is. Um, we just got that. We haven't started it yet, but kind of like you, I really enjoy just about anything by um, Tim Keller. So I know that it's going to be a sweet one and one worth mm-hmm. savoring. Um, there is a daily devotional called come, let us adore him. That's great for, it's a devotional, but really robust. And then sometimes devos get a bad rap as if like maybe they're, you know, sort of like watered down or something. But Paul David Tripp does a great job of making Mm. something succinct, but also really, um, solid. And it's something that you could even do as a family if you've got older kids. So I love that. I do like the dawning of indestructible joy, um, joy to the world. Um, is by Charles Spurgeon and it has daily readings for Advent. I believe you can also find that for free online and that's pretty, that's always a great resource. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, you know, especially cause we're like five days from Advent starting as we record this. Mm-hmm. So if people are like, well, I haven't ordered anything. It starts today. You can get access to it right away. Um, and then there are some, um, reading plans that have been put out just to put your hearts in scripture. Um, there are some reading plans that have been put out <clears throat> by, um, Crossway. So Crossway has a um, reading plan for the entire month of December. So not just um, the first to the 25th, but for the full month of December, they have a reading plan, I think every year to kind of guide you through some of the prophecies and fulfillments um, that are related to the um, Christmas story. And then I even love some of the Jesus Storybook Bible yes. um, stories. For the Advent season, one of my good friends, Courtney Knasser, started a company called Crew & Co. And she sells 
um, Advent cards that go along with the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for something to do with kids, basically you can make this these this set of cards your Advent calendar, and you pull out the first card, and they'll tell you which story to read and how that story points to Christ. So that's a really fun resource too for people who are celebrating with the younger ones. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's so helpful. Um, the Candeo Kids, uh, Julie just put out a few things at the Candeo Kids desk at the Resource Center um, that we've got the tiny theologian cards. We've got the Jesus Storybook Bible with uh, some ornaments that you can oh, print yeah, off. Oh, yeah, like very a PDF. cool. Um, yeah, and then also another book that follows like a Jesse tree um, just so that we can see those and then order them if you're interested. But um, thank you so much, Amy, for joining us and Absolutely. for um, just sharing your heart for drawing um, our focus uh, towards Christ during this Advent season. And uh, thank you for just your ministry to the people in North Carolina and to people everywhere through uh, the Tiny Theologians and the uh, studies that you write. Um, we're so excited to take a look at the Advent study um, when it's available. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun to chat with y'all. Yeah, thank you.